Welcome to the Divine Lotus Healing Podcast. I'm your host, Laura West. We cover energy medicine, spiritual topics, and natural plant-based medicine. Learn how to live your most soul-centered, high-vibe, holistic lifestyle. Join me on the journey. Let's get started. Happy Halloween, everyone. Today is October 31st, and I'm coming to you today with a beautiful history of Halloween. It is oftentimes a wonderful time of year for folks like myself, psychic mediums and spiritually in tune empaths and channels for the divine, because the veil between the worlds is thinner at this time of year, not just on the day of Halloween itself, but in the weeks preceding and following Um, There's a window of time where the spiritual realm has an easier time connecting with those of us on the 3D earth plane. So you might find yourself um, noticing and sensing and feeling and being aware of spiritual connection or spiritual experiences in a heightened way at this time of year. And for those of us in the profession of connecting and communicating with spirit, it's a fun time of year to do this with um, clients and with family and friends. (laughs) Last night I celebrated with my colleague Carolyn Wilkins and we both, uh, being psychic mediums, always like to do an annual event where we share spirit messages with a a group and it was just a lovely event. We call it Spirit Talks and we had a lovely evening last night with folks for sure. So let's get to the history of Halloween. This is a fascinating topic that I want to share with you today. There's a lot here. So Halloween falls on October 31st, and it's celebrated in many countries around the world. It has a long and interesting past that began over 3,000 years ago with ancient Celts in Ireland. The Celtic people of that time were nature worshippers, not part of any organized religion, rather honoring nature as a way of making, marking the changes of the season they saw around them. The ancient Celts celebrated Samhain, pronounced Samhain, on the night in late October. They believed that on this night, in the time between dusk and dawn, the spirits of people who had died in the past year could come back from their graves to visit the living. Not all who died were good beings. To lure these spirits away from their dwellings, the people would hold processions long into the night, marching out to the edges of their villages with offerings of food and sweets as a way to placate the dead. This offering of sweets is not unlike the trick-or-treating tradition of today. Also, on this night, the people honored the gods. Believing the gods were in charge of shortening the days, the people would light bonfires to please them on this night of the changing of the seasons. As a thank you for the fall harvest, the people would offer up sacrifices of animals burnt on the bonfires. Druid priests would read the burnt entrails of the animals and make predictions of who would die in the coming year. These predictions would spread as stories long into the night from village to village, not unlike the tradition of telling ghost stories today. Large rock mounds in Ireland, called fairy mounds, were still, were and still are believed to house fairies who would come out on this special night to celebrate. Trick-or-treaters of today come out one night dressed as these fairies as well. Around this time in ancient Rome, The Romans also celebrated the changing of seasons by honoring the goddess Pomona. She is the goddess of gardens and fruits. To thank her, the people would lay out apples and nuts. 
The tradition of bobbing for apples in modern times comes from this honoring of Pomona. In 50 BC, the Romans conquered Europe and the two traditions of Samhain and Pomona began to merge, honoring the dead and the harvest. At the dawn of the first century, pagans, who were like the, the Celts in many ways, worshiped nature and were not part of any formalized religion. Christianity was beginning to spread at this time. To gain control over the pagans, Christian leaders pronounced that the worshiping of nature forces and multiple gods was demonic because the practice did not honor the one true God. They decried that the, the devil himself must be deceiving the people by displaying himself as multiple gods and goddesses trying to trick the people. However, pagan practices were so deeply ingrained in public traditions, it was hard to squash them. In the 4th century, the Roman Emperor Constantine, who himself was pagan, had a vision of Christ and denounced his paganism. He sent priests out to convert the masses. Baptism became popular around this time. In the year 600, Pope Gregory I attempted to rid the land of the pagan nature-worshipping traditions, so he sent out priests to convert the people. When they came upon groups of people worshipping a tree, instead of chopping the tree down, he had the, tree, he had the priests consecrate the tree to Christ so the people could continue worshipping it, with the true worship of Christ taking place behind their actions. The general public at this time did not like the idea in the Christian church that a person had to wait until their next lifetime to have a good life or be a good person. The church had to make Christianity more attractive, so they blended practices from the old pagan traditions with the new Christian rituals. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III had enough of pagans and their devil-worshipping ways, so he challenged them head-on by declaring Samhain the most important day for them, a day of the church. November 1st was declared All Saints' Day, also known as All Hallows' Day. Hallow referred to the blessed saints that were to be honored on this day. The Eve of Hallows became known as All Hallows' Evening, which became shortened to Hallow-een. The contemporary people of this time continued to dress in costumes made of straw and animal skins. They would leave offerings to the dead, but now under the name of Halloween, not Samhain. In the 10th century, the Christian church declared November 2nd to be All Souls Day, a day to remember everyone, saint or not. This did not shift the masses from celebrating their age-old traditions, however. Around this time, the church declared witches to be of the worst offense, especially on Halloween. The word witch comes from the old English word wicca, which means wise one. Usually, these wise ones were women, and they were seen by the church to be powerful feminists who tapped into the dark sides of Halloween. These witches were usually the medicine and oracle givers in their villages, and they were seen by the people to have much power. The church stood in direct opposition to them. In the 1400s, churches, church zealots hunted down many witches, calling them devil's handmaidens. These women were portrayed as violent old hags who practiced devil worship. In 1486, Pope Innocent VIII pushed a book declaring a direct link between witchcraft and the devil. He outlawed the pagan Celtic traditions altogether in large because of the links to witches. They were dangerous icons because they upset the male-centered universe of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. 
These witches were put on trial all over Europe and they were hanged or burned alive. In 1431, even Joan of Arc was found guilty of being a witch and was burned at the stake. As the church carried out these witch hunts, it associated all animals that these women kept as devils. Black cats, especially, were thought to be the souls of witches. Being nocturnal, these cats would go out masquerading as the witches in the night to cause harm to people. This is most likely where modern people get the idea that if you cross paths with a black cat at night, it is bad luck. Bats are also linked to ancient Samhain traditions because of the people when they built bonfires. Mosquitoes would be attracted to the heat and bats would come to eat them. They would be seen in the dark being so large and they became images associated with this pagan holiday. In the 16th century, the church began to split and Martin Luther declared a thesis that attacked church dogma, which began the Protestant Reformation, thus changing the face of Christianity forever. He rejected all icons, popes, and saints all alike, instead of honoring the one true God. As a result, All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve became unpopular with the people who split off into Protestantism. On November 5, 1605, the Catholic militant, Guy Fawkes, was arrested for attempting to blow up the mainly Protestant-run parliament. Ever since that day, the English people have celebrated Guy Fawkes' night by lighting firecrackers and bonfires. Since the holiday of Halloween and Guy Fawkes' night are so close together, many traditions became blended. In the weeks leading up to Guy Fawkes' night, children beg people for a penny for the guy as they hold effigies of the man. This is not unlike the trick-or-treating of today. In America, in the 1600s, there were stark contrasts between Catholics and Protestants and how they celebrated Halloween. In the North, the Puritans held strict rules that the holiday was too pagan. Anyone found guilty of being a witch was hunted down and hanged. In 1692, the Salem witch trials took place and 20 people were killed, 19 by hanging and one by the crushing of stones. In contrast, in Virginia, Catholics celebrated the holiday with zeal, which labeled Virginia as the birthplace of Halloween in America. Adults would gather on this night to celebrate by telling ghost stories, divining for the future, and bobbing for apples. These traditions continued well into the late 19th century, where adults would stay up late with family and friends. Irish immigrants at this time were flocking to the north, bringing their pagan traditions of celebrating Samhain with them. They discovered that carving faces into American pumpkins was much easier than the turnips they used back in Ireland. Thus, candles inside pumpkins took hold. By the end of the 19th century, the associations of evil deeds and witchcraft were nearly gone from religious dogma and were replaced by a holiday the whole family could celebrate together. Friends, family, and neighbors would gather together in homes to play games, eat sweets, and tell ghost stories. Things shifted in the beginning of the 20th century. Children began going out at night in their neighborhoods to make mischief. Soon, in popular culture, Halloween became an unruly holiday filled with vandalism and children running amok. Towns across America had to do something. In the 1920s, Anoka, Minnesota hosted the first civic parade where children gathered to dress up in costumes to march down Main Street. This cut down on the mischief-making. Towns all over America followed suit. Today, children dress up in costume and go door-to-door asking for candy. 
In Mexico, people celebrate the Day of the Dead on All Souls Day, which has roots in pagan traditions. The Mexican church does not recognize the dead, but instead encourages celebrations by families. They go out to grave sites and they hold picnics and tell stories of past loved ones. Thus, we see the brightly colored iconic images of skeletons around this time of year. Modern pagans continue to celebrate Samhain in the old ways, using firelight and the sacred symbol of the apple, cut into a five-pointed star shape. They honor the goddess of nature on this night that marks the changing of the seasons and gives thanks to the fall harvest. So a couple of sources for this article that I have just shared are the Bardic Handbook, which is the complete manual for 21st century bards. It was published in Glastonbury, England in 2006 by Gothic Image Publications. And if you're interested in obtaining a copy of that, you can head over to the resources pages on my website and visit the bookshelf in the Divine Lotus Living Toolkit, and it will be there for you. And also another resource with information that I had shared in this article comes from a TV production from April 1st, 2005 called A Haunted History of Halloween from the History Channel and the A&E Networks. Thank you very much for listening today, and I hope you have a wonderful, spooky, sacred, spiritual Halloween season in these past weeks leading up to this Halloween and in the weeks coming that take on energy afterwards as well. If you're interested in doing any work to connect with spirit in any capacity, be in touch. I'm happy to be of support. I have sessions that I do with clients and there are classes certainly that connect folks in a spiritual nature. Have a takeaway from today's episode? Visit my blog to leave a comment or take a screenshot and tag Divine Lotus Podcast on social media. Also, be sure to leave a positive review over on Apple Podcasts to help these episodes reach more divine people who are just like you. It helps to build our community of spiritual beings, and it helps me to know what you're enjoying most from my show. Looking for more inspired action in your life? Visit me at DivineLotusHealing.com for one-on-one work, courses, essential oils, and a number of my memberships that help you live a divinely connected lifestyle. Want to connect with me on social media? You can find me on Instagram, where I hang out most often, under my business handle, Divine Lotus Healing.